This morning, we're going to, to look at a passage out of Philippians, continue our series looking at the topic of joy and that fulfillment that comes from, from knowing Jesus uh, and, and what we experience in our lives as we walk with Him. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 4 through 9 in just a few minutes, but I want to talk about our brain for a minute uh, because Paul's going to give us in this passage a challenge to, to think rightly, to think differently. And so we need to understand a little bit about our brain. We need to understand, we need to know, uh, some of you may know this. Uh, I didn't know this until I went to, I think, coolkidfacts.com or something like that. It helps to have kids in the home and you can find information really quickly online. But our brain consists of 100 billion nerves that help drive trillions, with a T-R, trillions of connections called synapses. And each day, all of those things happening, besides all of the things that it's doing, our brain is doing to to fuel and command and do everything that our body needs to do to function each day, it's also powering the engine that's driving as many as 70,000 thoughts through our heads per day. I'm not a mathematician, but my calculator on my phone is, and it tells me that that's over 48 thoughts per minute. So I'm looking at the clock that's back there and I'm going to talk for probably about 20 more minutes or so. You do the math, that's several hundred thoughts that you're going to have just sitting right here. You probably won't remember most of them. Uh, Maybe eventually one of them will become a thing you do or a thing you say. See, all of our thoughts, some of them end up becoming an action. Some of them end up becoming a thing. I think when I was youth pastor, I saw that on a post-it note at the Hallbowers home. Thoughts become things. And that has always stuck with me. And when I started looking at this passage and I thought, you know what, the the, the actions that we take, the words that we say, they have root somewhere. And so as we're as we're living our lives, as maybe maybe you've played football before, maybe you're a student, you're on the football team and it's Friday night and you've done the pregame warm-up and and, all the things have happened. You've got all the tape right, you've got everything and you go back in the locker room. And what happens in that locker room is that the guys get their mind right for what's about to happen. That they focus on the task at hand. Maybe they go over a couple of notes with the offensive coordinator. The offensive team does that. The defensive coordinator gets the defensive guys together. The kickers, they just hang back and they wait for their time to kick a field goal or do a kickoff or a punt or whatever. But then they all come together. And it's usually, in some some teams, it's usually whatever the wildest, craziest coach is. He's going to give a speech. Um, It's usually not one that can be repeated in church, but it's a speech that gets the team fired up to go hit the other team as hard as they can, to go block hard, tackle hard, whatever they've got to do. They're getting their mind right for that game. Maybe somebody who practices law, they're getting ready for a big case. They've got to make their closing argument, and they've got maybe several other cases they're working on at the same time. They've got several other things that they're doing. But before they go into the courtroom that day, They sit down, they look at their notes one more time. They look back at at what the other side has argued and they get their mind right. They're focused on what's next. Maybe someone's going into battle. They're a soldier, they're in the army, they're in the military, they're going to go into battle and they've got a specific task and they know that that they've got this objective that they've got to meet. They've got these orders they've got to follow. They know there may be things that will come up that are outside of those orders, but they've got to block out and clear their mind of everything that they're thinking about so they can focus on the task at hand. And I just wonder this morning, as we have talked about for several weeks now, what we can do to experience joy in our lives. We've talked about how we can experience joy 
by being ready to die, by having a proper understanding of what happens when we die and being prepared for that and being sure that others around us are prepared for that. We've talked about that joy comes when we love one another or how we, we grow in our salvation and we work out that salvation on a daily basis. And then we talked about how we can uh, find joy by knowing Jesus and leading others to know Jesus. And then last week, Jeff talked about how we have hope for eternity and how this world is, is not what we were created for. We have a purpose in this world, but we were truly created for our heavenly home and our, our, our unity with our heavenly Father, our Creator. And so, but the question that I would ask, and I'm asking myself, is I would ask of you today is, is our mind right? See, we can, we can practice all of those things and we can nail each one of those exactly how God has intended. We can follow some of those different steps that, that Pastor Jeff has, has laid out before us each week during this series about different ways to find joy in our relationship with Christ. But, but if we wake up each day and we go throughout each day, if our mind isn't right, if we don't have that, that pregame speech each morning, or we're not looking through the notes the way that an attorney would, if we're not, not motivated and we don't know the objective the way that a soldier would, I would argue and I would be, be concerned that if my mind is not right, how much are those other things going to matter? So then how do we get our minds right? How do you and I focus our minds on the things that God has called us to? And Paul writes this. He spells it out for us in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. As Paul's writing the, the church at, at Philippi, he's writing to the Philippians and, and helping coach them through, helping support them, helping remind them of some things that they were learning as early believers, as an early church, and in a time of intense persecution. Paul himself in prison writing this letter. There was a, a deep, deep-seated sense of anxiousness that, that could have been a reality for these people facing the same kind of persecution that Paul was experiencing. And so he wanted to, to write them this closing portion of his, his letter, uh, some very practical and helpful things, some what I call directives, four directives uh, for, for how to think um, and how to, have, how to get our minds right. And the first one is this. He calls on the people to rejoice. Not just a little bit. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say Rejoice. You know, there was a time this past week when we were getting ready uh, to go out and do some evangelism down the streets uh, in and around the church. And the, probably the hardest rain that came all week started right at the time uh, that we were going to go out. I was like, great, this is great. And so Jeff is, I could see him talking. I could hear him talking in Spanish to the pastor and kind of talking to Luis, the guy that's there to help him out. And, and he said, okay, we're going to come together. We're going to do a little project. 
And, and, and what we ended up doing, that the exercise that we did, at least to me, other than, than the lives that were changed, the, the nine individuals who trusted Jesus as their Savior, to me, it was the most fruitful thing we did the whole week, at least for our team, the, the eight of us who were there. Uh, because we sat down with, with postcards or bookmarks from unreached people groups, and four of them. We were divided into four groups. And our task was to, how would we, as a group, implement the missionary task in reaching these groups? So with a little bit of information about them, we learned. And so it would have been easy to, to not be joyful in that and say, no, I'd rather be out there praying, or I'd rather be out there witnessing, or I'd rather be out there praying for Jeff or one of the locals, one of the nationals that was there while they were, they were sharing with an individual. I'd rather be doing that. But I got to the end of the week, I thought that was one of the most productive things we did. Like future trips, I even asked, I said, could that be a part of the schedule along with everything else that we do? And so that was something that, you know, you, you never really understand, you know, how God works in and through a circumstance until you're in it. You sit there and you think that it's, it's going to be this way and I'd like it to happen this way. And then it happens differently. And so we have so many things to be joyful, to rejoice in. We've done that this morning in song. We've rejoiced with, with Zachary and his family and his friends and as his church family as he was baptized. Um, and so we do that in a number of different ways. But Paul calls the local believers, the local church there, and he calls us to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. The second thing he says to do is don't be anxious. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Don't be anxious. You know, Jesus was talking to his disciples and a group of people following him along the what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And he talks about how we worry about what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear, or how we're going to be provided for. And God says, look at the birds. I take care of them. How much more do I love you than them? I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. And we got to see that play out in the culture this week. Just this, this sense of, of peace and calm and every person that we met. There were hurts. There were prayer requests lifted up. There were things that, that people ask us to pray with them for then. And, and, and we have some things we want to ask you as a church family to be praying for, for, for people in the church and, and people in the community in the days and weeks ahead. There were things that, that we want to, to, to lift up in prayer, but, but there wasn't this sense of, of angst, this sense of unnecessary worry over those things. There was concern. There was, real, um, there was real concern in a lot of them. And you know what that feels like in your life where you're anxious about something and you want God to, to release that from you. And I would hope and I would encourage you, and we'll see in a minute, that some of that starts in your mind. That if you, if you allow God to enter your mind and, and work in and through your thoughts, uh, some of that doesn't happen. And then we ask God for things. It's okay to ask God for something. You know, we have been praying uh, for Robert and we continue to do that. Ask God to do things in his life and in his healing and, in, and through his treatment. And we continue to do that. We ask God for things for our kids. We ask God for things for our friends. We ask God for things that, that we know only He is capable of doing. Um, and many of you have seen those prayers answered. Maybe not exactly in the way that you would have wanted them to, but you've seen those prayers as you've asked God and brought your, as Paul writes, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And so as you pray and as you ask God for things, that helps change the way that you think. 
And then he specifically addresses our thoughts. Verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I think he's calling on us to think rightly. Think about the right things and think about them in the right way. So that when those thoughts do become things, they're things of God, not things of man. And so we see those directives. Rejoice. Don't be anxious. Ask God and think rightly. So then what what does Scripture say to us about how to think rightly? You're like, okay, I know what's right and wrong, but but I think it's probably something deeper than that. I think thinking rightly is more than just thinking about things that are right and not thinking about things that are wrong or thinking about doing or saying things that are right versus thinking about doing or saying things that are wrong. There's three different scriptures that that I'm going to just read for y'all. And then we're going to have just a special time right in the middle of the message of prayer. So the first one is this, set your mind on God. Paul, again, writing to the the Romans. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 5 through verse 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so we see right there that if we set our minds on our will and our desires, we're immediately putting ourselves at enmity with God. We're putting ourselves in a position where God We are hostile to God. So God's Word teaches us and calls us in many different places to to live out our faith, but it starts here in our minds as we think about the things that God has called us to do and as we live according to God's will, God's direction, or in the theme of this entire year for the church, being equipped to find your place and fulfilling out your purpose in God's mission in this world. As we seek that out, God's will for our lives We can operate, we can think like He thinks and think with Him and take steps and share and speak and live the life that God has called us to live. And then the second thing is that we would renew our minds. Just one page over in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Just as as Jesus does a transformation in our hearts when we come to know Him as our Savior, He can continually change our minds. As things come in, as information comes in that's not of Him, He can help us filter that through Scripture. He can help us think differently about the world, about His creation, about others around us, those who know Him and those who don't. He can help us think differently and have our minds renewed and refreshed because of what He's done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then the third thing, the third step I think we can take to thinking rightly is that we need to engage all of our mind. Engage your mind as you love God and love others. See, Jesus gave His his followers... uh, a commandment as he's answering a question about what is the greatest commandment and the people asking him the question thought that maybe he would answer with one of the specific 
you know, commandments. And he says, no, no, it's this. In, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. It goes on to say the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So as we love God, we go all in with our heart, our energy, our passion, who we are, everything about us. We love God and we love others. And our soul, deep down inside of us, everything we are loves God and loves others, but He calls us to do it with our mind as well. That we would give God our thoughts and allow Him to use that to bring honor and glory to Him, to share His name with others, but also to experience joy in our lives. And so, what do we do with this? What, what do you and I do with this? And what I'd like to do is, as, as part of our, our, our time each week and each service, the whole month of July and into August, we're going to spend some time uh, praying together, praying individually uh, as a church family about different things. And, and I want to lead you through a prayer time right now, a prayer time that I think you can repeat each day to help set your mind on the things of God and get your mind right as you go to work, as you go to school, as you hang out with your friends, as you spend time with family, as you do what it is that God has called you to do. So if you just want to close your Bibles and maybe sit down, if you've been looking at the Bible, I'm trusting that you've been looking at the Bible on your phone and not anything else, but as you just take some time just to settle your heart and your mind before God, and I want to lead you through this prayer time. First, just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just Just confess to God the areas of your thought life that are not of Him. And then after you've confessed to God the the areas of of your thought life, the things that the struggles you have and the things you think about that, that, that you know don't bring glory to Him, Just ask God to take your thoughts captive. That all your thoughts would be of Him and for Him. And then just pray these three specific things. God, I will set my mind on things of You. God, please renew my mind. Trade my will for Yours. And then ask God to help you engage with your whole mind as you love Him and as you love others. Lord, make this our prayer each day. A prayer where we confess our thoughts to You, things that are not of You, where we ask You to take them captive, where we ask You to help us set our minds on things of You, where we, our minds are renewed, and we engage You and engage loving others uh, with our whole mind each day. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What would happen if, if we made that prayer uh, a part of our prayer each day? 
What if we made getting our minds right before the Lord each morning, before we step foot to work, to play, to school, to learn, to grow, to fellowship, whatever it is that we're doing? What if we made that a part of our prayer each day? What if, what if we started each day by getting our minds right? When we walked into a situation thinking about whatever is pure, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy. And we'd be thinking about those things and how to respond when situations arise. What, how much more joy would you experience? How much more joy would I experience? How much more joy would we as a church family experience if, if we began our day with that prayer? How much, how much joy would others around you feel because of the joy that comes out and is evident in your life? because of what Jesus is doing in and through your mind. See, I think that we would experience and we would enjoy and we would have even greater opportunities to share with those around us the joy that we have. Not because we're happy, not because things are good, not because we're not anxious, but because of what Jesus Christ has done and is doing in our lives as believers. If you're in this room and you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, my hope and my prayer for you is this, is that, that as you experience the fullness of joy in your life, that others around you would notice that and they would want that difference. They would want to know why you're different. They would want to know why you look at things differently. They would want to know why you're thinking differently. And then you have an opportunity to share them because I know Jesus Christ is my Savior and here's how you can know Him. And here's how you can experience that joy. And if you're here this morning and you've been a part of this series and you want to know joy in your life and you want to know what it's like to follow after Jesus, I just want to tell you that, that I made a decision uh, as a boy, as a young child, uh, to trust Jesus as my Savior. And, and that decision has affected every other decision that I've ever made in my life. And it's brought me more joy than, than all of the other good things that have happened in my life before then and since then and ever will happen because it affects every single one of those things. The things that I've, I've been blessed to do even just this week, going to Costa Rica, uh, because of what Jesus Christ has done in my life, I wanted to have that opportunity uh, to go and learn about doing missions in a foreign country and go and, and relate with a group of people uh, that didn't speak the same language that I did and learn from them in their culture. I wanted to, to do that, and others on the trip wanted to do that as, as well. And they want others of you to go and experience the same thing and learn the same things that, that we did, because not because it was fun, not because we met new people, but because Jesus Christ changed our lives, and we saw Him change lives of people in that week. And I want to tell you that He can change yours as well. See, Jesus Christ came and lived as a man, a perfect life. Uh, went to the cross for our sins as payment so that when we repent of our sin, we don't pay that penalty ourselves. Jesus Christ has already paid it for us. And then not only did He go to the cross and die, but on the third day, God raised Him from the dead and He's alive today. And there's no other religion in the world that can say that about their God and their Savior. Jesus Christ is alive today and He can change your life. And I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here and you say, Alan, I don't... I don't have joy in my life, and I want that. Uh, we're going to sing a song of invitation in just a second, where we're going to give you an opportunity to respond and come forward, and I'll be here at the front, and we can start a conversation 
about what it means to know Jesus as your Savior. If you know Him as your Savior, I'd like to ask for you to just pray that you would be committed to asking God each day to help you set your mind on things of Him. To renew your mind each day. And to engage the world around you. Engage your relationship with God. Engage others with your whole mind.